0: This is Home Dunk. I'm John Moe. Coming up on this program, stuff about NBA players and technology in the future that is completely freaky, and a visit from the coach. I
1: It's a great day for the fans, man. I got three sacks and broke three bats. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks. I did a hat trick and a backflip. It's on ESPN Classic. And you weren't there, and it hurt me to watch them retire. my jersey, I hit a home dunk.
0: Thank you, Open Mike Eagle, for that theme song. Hello, Dunkaroos. I'm John Moe. Enjoying autumn, as I hope you are enjoying autumn. Got a good show coming up. Pablo Torre, our pal from ESPN, is going to be talking about biometrics in the NBA, which is... Uh, yeah, he says that it's become less money ball in the NBA and more 1984 by George Orwell. You're going to want to stick around for that. Then we'll have a visit from the coach. We'll find out uh, what the coach thinks about this year's team. That's coming up a little bit later. So I've been uh, I've been following the news about Todd Gurley. Have you seen this? He's uh, running back for university of georgia football team the bulldogs and uh, he's uh, been suspended from the team it's a little unclear as i record this just what his future is if he's done for good if he's gonna be back this is a guy that has been mentioned as a heisman trophy candidate he's a star player and uh unfortunately you know we won't get a chance to to have a guy named Gurley out there doing incredibly masculine things which i think we can all agree is, uh, is good for society. But the issue is that Todd Gurley has been signing autographs for money. He's been signing his name to things, and uh, one of the people he's been doing this for didn't like how their business arrangement was and reported Todd Gurley to the school and the NCAA, and Todd Gurley got suspended for signing his own name over and over and over again. In order to make money, and you know, a lot of people are out there saying that this is unjustified, that Todd Gurley shouldn't have been suspended. I disagree. I think it makes total sense that he's been suspended. After all, he already gets paid handsomely in a salary that he uh, for the services that he provides for the school. He gets, uh, you know, it's work that he does for the school. He does work for the school, and it brings in a lot of money, especially this year. A lot of people are going to games and tuning into games in order to see Todd Gurley play. And, And I don't know the exact salary figure he receives from the team, but I know that you know, if if you're going to college and you work in the cafeteria, you get paid a certain amount. I worked in the school post office when I was going to school, and I got a a small amount. You know, a friend of mine worked in the bookstore, and and he got paid for doing that. So logically, Todd Gurley must already get paid for providing a service that makes the school. Some money and i 'm sure also that whatever he gets paid is commensurate with the value that he brings to the team. I mean that would just make sense because that that 's the logical thing to happen, uh, so he has already compensated. For the uh, tremendous uh, physical toll that is taking place on his body, the potentially uh, debilitating for the rest of his life injuries, he is incurring as a 20-year-old. I'm sure he's already handsomely compensated in a completely above-the-board fashion and uh, therefore has plenty of money. And it doesn't make uh, any sense that he should be profiting off his own name while he has the opportunity. And besides, the school isn't profiting off of Todd Gurley in any other way. You can't go to the University of Georgia football site and quickly buy a team jersey with Gurley's number 11 on it, which they're selling. Uh, no, I mean, they're not selling, of course, because why would they do that? But even if you could do that, even if they were selling that, who's to say that they put up the number 11 just to exploit Todd Gurley? Maybe it's for fans who wish that Phil Sims played for Georgia and they just want to uh, live out that fantasy or Danny White, the former Cowboys quarterback and punter. I mean, who does Todd Gurley think he is? Because the University of Georgia's board of regents assigned him his name. They assigned him the name Todd Gurley they created him in a laboratory. It's not like he's an actual person who lived with that name before he got there and will live with that name after he is gone. And even if he were, even if he was granted the same basic rights as any other human being, why should Todd Gurley try to prosper off the only one thing a human being really has, which is a a name? Other people have made the argument that if this rule were to be dropped and athletes were free to Sign autographs and profit off their names, which are their names. Then it would provide an easy money laundering channel for boosters to pay players. You got some booster out there who says, "Hey, I tell you what, uh, I'll pay you a thousand dollars for a hundred autographs each year that you go to this university." And then the guy has a hundred thousand dollars for signing his name uh, a few times. So you know uh, that is a good point. It's tricky because. The thing is, the whole system of college football is not already corrupt from snout to butt. And we wouldn't want to corrupt it. We wouldn't want to make this institution uh, destabilized in any way because it's already a perfect model of virtue. I mean, because there's no way that any boosters are paying any players now. There's no way athletes get preferential treatment and kickbacks from boosters now. And also, let's remember, these are universities. These are institutions of higher learning. That's the whole reason they're there. It's not almost exactly like the minor league baseball system, except weirdly and poorly disguised. No, it's a university. It's a university. It's an institute of higher learning. A football coach at a university, as we all know, has only three priorities. One, make sure all the players have fun. Two, make sure everybody gets some exercise and we're not just sitting around the library studying all the time. And three, make sure that everyone stays focused on the studies and, you know, they get the exercise and they can get back to work, which is the whole reason a university exists. Because, look, Todd Gurley should be suspended because college football is not a farce. It's not uh, some imaginary dream world that we've all chosen to believe in together. It's not a a system that just gives out scholarships so that, so that players can play a sport, make money for the athletic department, not really get a decent education probably, and then be cast aside unless they're part of the small handful that goes professional, but otherwise cast aside with no real preparation for the outside world and maybe some horrible knee injuries? No. No, it's not like that at all. College football makes total sense. And that's why we can't have nonsense like Todd Gurley profiting off of his own accomplishments and signing his own name. I mean, come on. Hey folks, it's John Moe. I apologize. Uh, the monologue for this week's show accidentally got switched with uh, a monologue from the Parallel Universe version of Home Dunk. Uh, we're going to try to get that fixed and uh, get that patched up for you down the road.
2: I hit a home dunk
0: The NBA season is imminent. It's looming. It's rolling in. And uh, it's getting weird already. It's already deeply weird. Pablo Torre is with us. He's a senior writer at ESPN. Hello, Pablo. Hello, John. And uh, you've been writing in the ESPN, the magazine's NBA preview issue about uh, something that is, is nuts. Uh, the the <laughs> NBA becoming what you call an aspirational technocracy. Please explain.
1: That's right. So the NBA is somewhat unique. Well, it is unique, full stop, among the pro sports, the big ones in America, because about one in three majority owners of the teams hail from the tech industry. All right. and so one of the things we've seen as the NBA undergoes what some have called, you know, their own Moneyball kind of thing. We associate technology and analytics and sabermetrics with baseball, but the NBA recently has actually made a more dramatic investment in that general area. I would say than any of the main sports. And so we had seen this, for example, with these missile tracking cameras that have been charting every object on the court. Those are installed in every NBA arena. We've seen that increasingly with accelerometers. So their wearable technology, where you put it on a jersey, you get to know how much your players are moving up and down the court and the fatigue that they get. But now, and this is where our story jumps in, the aspirational technocracy is moving to the world of off-the-court monitoring and testing, the idea being that these companies, these NBA franchises, are understanding that their employees are more and more like Formula One race cars. That's what they're learning from these high-tech cameras that track them all over the court and so on and so forth. And they're realizing, wait a minute, we don't know what our very expensive cars are actually doing off the court in any sort of data-driven way. So they, so they want to know, and that leads to all of these technologies I begin to outline in the piece.
0: Yeah, and so is this new? I mean, obviously we've, they've been filming and studying the kinesthesiology of, uh, of the players on the court for a while, but is... Is the, the biometrics off the court a new thing?
1: Yeah, so, so to the biometrics, it's new insofar as you have an actual movement towards doing it, and it's off the court specifically. So for, for years, you're right, they've had very fancy medical technologies that can body scan players and look at body fat and so sure. forth, but we haven't really seen an institutionalization where right now it's voluntary, but where teams are having programs where they want to monitor how long and how well their players sleep so you've had teams like the warriors for instance we interviewed Andre Iguodala the star player who voluntarily wanted his sleep examined but that certainly is setting a precedent in terms of what is okay for teams to request of their employees so sleep is one thing we're seeing blood testing as another thing i mean blood tests are another policy that have existed insofar as teams do physical examinations, you know, annually in the way that you do with your own doctor. But what they want to actually do, we talked to Mark Cuban about this, they want to actually keep a running kind of chart for you so they know when your body is going right and when it's going wrong. I mean, Mark Cuban talked about how it's important for teams and how the smartest thing they do, actually, the Mavericks, is keep tabs on players via blood tests because they want to know what the analytics of the blood are actually telling them. And then you have other things like actually putting patches on the bodies of players so they wear them ideally 24-7 so they know when their players are tiring themselves out off the court, whether they're you know, going and running and playing tag with their kids or going to Lord knows what kind of den of depravity as we may imagine NBA players to do in our worst most conservative nightmares, but those are the ways in which teams want to keep track so they know oh, our player is exhausted, let's adjust his practice time or his practice load, for instance. So this is. It's getting a bit dystopian, in other words, which yeah. is something we mentioned in the piece.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, two two images come to mind. One is Santa Claus knowing when you're sleeping <laughs> and knowing when you're awake.
1: J. R. Smith, you are naughty and will be on that list <laughs> for a right. very long time. In other words. And
0: the other idea is uh, the the collars that they put on wildlife to track migratory patterns.
1: Well, it's really funny you mentioned that, John, because one of the conversations I had, and and I should say this. The innovators and the inventors and the people even involved in implementing these technologies are coming, in my experience, at this stage at the very least, from a place of good faith. They actually see, and this is where I think we should stand up for these people in some regard, they're actually using data and science to find ways to improve NBA players on the court performance. The problem with that mandate, of course, is that you now realize, wait a minute, if NBA players' bodies are their machines and their bodies must be monitored and can be monitored justifiably in so many other different ways, but one of the things I talked about with one of the creators of the patch, which is the colloquial term for this device that you put on 24-7 monitor sleep, heart rate, body temperature, angle of your torso, all of these things, heart rate, that you can wear and are supposed to wear ideally 24-7, as I said. I asked, well, is there a GPS element? And, and there isn't right now, but one of the things that he made very clear was it'd be very easy to install that. I mean, if you look at how it's being used in medical technology with, for example, elderly people, they actually do have GPS capabilities right. and they have a, a thing exactly like what you described, where if you go past a certain point, the person monitoring them can get a beep. I mean, all of these things are very squarely on the table, and as I mentioned in the piece, too, the union doesn't know enough about it yet to really make it a definitive stand.
0: Well, and and the patch that you're talking about, so these are players out in the world going to nightclubs or going to McDonald's or hanging out with their families, and that information about what their body is doing at any moment is being uploaded to team computers or phones or iPads.
1: That's the theory. That is the theory, and... And, you know, again, scientifically, empirically speaking, you can see the logic as as troubling as it is. And I will say, five teams last year tested this. The degrees to which they had their players wear it 24-7, we don't know exactly how many players agreed to do that. But three of those teams are playoff teams. It's one of those devices that is very well known within NBA front offices. And yeah, I talked to the inventor of it, and what he says is we need to have data about these players off the court. And that's something that the Sacramento Kings GM, the Kings are one of these very tech forward. Uh, organizations, Vivek Ranadeva, who is the owner of the Kings, is a tech pioneer, came from Wall Street and founded Tibco, one of these very multi billion dollar fancy companies. Uh, they want to have impact explicitly in these players' private time. That was the quote. And you understand, you know, when you spend enough time talking to these people, how good intentions can somehow have troubling, perhaps insufficiently contemplated uh, consequences.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I think about everywhere that I've worked, the HR department in conjunction with the benefits department and the the health insurance place will send all these tips for good health and, you know, encourage you to start running because – they're, they want people to be healthy in the most magnanimous way, but also it's better for business if I stay healthy and don't make a lot of insurance claims.
1: That's exactly right. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, so- and, it's, 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 and this is a topic, as you were alluding to, that everybody should really be contemplating in their own lives. This is not just happening in sports. This is one major example, I would say, of the biometric revolution really getting its hands on something. And you can sort of see because sports functions as this market, right? Where, okay, well, what happens if Players are disinclined to do it. Is there implicit pressure? Is it explicit pressure for them to sacrifice what you can fairly term their privacy on various levels to their employer? But yeah, I mean, look, I'm someone at ESPN who I have, I have personnel file uh, warnings because I don't fill out those HR things fast enough. <laughs> I mean, this is the HR kind of, kind of, uh, movement and focusing on all of these things that have nothing ostensibly to do with your job. I mean, that's, that's a, a trope that's existed in corporate America for a very, very long time.
0: And you and I, uh, our jobs aren't affected if we get a high ankle sprain.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so you have these players who, you know, we talk to players who are worried about this. One player from the Mavericks said, Brandon Wright, said that ultimately he thinks that this movement is going to hurt players when it comes to contract negotiation. And honestly, I mean, ask yourself this question, and this is to the to the royal audience. Uh, you out there. I mean ask everybody ask ourselves, would we prefer to have our employers know more or less about us? About us you know, and biology, whether that can be justified yeah. or not is you know, that varies based on the occupation and what you do. But clearly there's a dangerous precedent being set when this is this is happening very quickly without a lot of people knowing about it.
0: So, are players like Brandon Wright concerned about going into a contract negotiation and see, and then you know the the team can pull out? Well, here's where your glucose levels were between midnight and <laughs> six. We're going to pay you a million less dollars than uh, than you want.
1: Well, I think there is an information gap. Certainly, I mean, you're trusting that your team is conducting the science rightfully and. And and faithfully, and there's no evidence yet that anybody is screwing each other about this yet in terms of the employers doing really devious things about employees. But it's not just that, it's what happens if, you know, we're in sports sports news, what happens if someone's chart, whether it's heart rate, whether it's movement of the body, whether it's sleep, what happens if that gets leaked? You know, and then you have this very personal, very specific to the second data about somebody out there being shared, or what happens when this is maybe being used and shared with an ally, an ally in another front office who can... Have information about your players as well. I mean, once you put this information in the hands of an executive in any sort of level of corporate America, I mean, I think similar concerns must apply by nature of that transaction.
0: I would think it would uh, it would affect the game long term too. If if this is so much a factor, I mean, I, I think about like players like Allen Iverson or mm-hmm. you know Gilbert Arenas, how they would have been dinged because they probably weren't getting the the ten hours of sleep a night that a lot of people think that that you should. And so what kind of athletes are we going to start seeing on the floor? And is it going to be better or worse for, for just sports in general?
1: That's the sequel to the story, and that's something that I was contemplating in, in very similar terms because you talk to enough basketball players and – you know, Michael Jordan wasn't exactly the no. guy who was home <laughs> at five PM and went to sleep by ten. He Not was at out all. all night. Will Chamberlain, right? Yeah. These are the legends of the sport. Will Chamberlain very famously, you know, slept with by his account thousands and thousands of yeah. women. That was his legend. He was a he was a libertine, you know. These are the players that the NBA has has fostered and promoted over the years, and and yeah, I think that once this technology gets implemented, you may see less and less of those. Shane Battier was one of the players we talked to. Shane Battier went to Duke, is in his mid thirties, is a dad, basically drink, eats pizza and drinks wine. And he, one of the things he said, he retired after this past season, and one of the things he said was, you know. I wanted to get out before it was really too late that he thinks that all fluids are going to be extracted from NBA players within five years. He doesn't know what happens with big data, once, as we talked about before. Where does this data go? He doesn't think that these people are evil, but where does it end up going? And he doesn't know enough about that to be, really be comfortable about the direction of the league and the increasing technocratic instincts about how to perfect the – bodies of players so there there seems to be
0: two issues in play here there's law and there's ethics is what is this stuff legal first of all can you do this i mean i guess the players are consenting to it in the same way that football players consent to the uh what do they call them the voluntary off-season workouts that, <laughs> right
1: right that you have a, to go to or you get where fired it's, you yeah know, it's voluntary until you're being judged by your coaches right and the media well then it's coercion fans. yeah They're, then, then it's coercion, yeah. yeah. There's a coercive element to it by nature of the market, by the way, because you're very replaceable. But, but the legal and the ethical, they are somewhat intertwined. One of the things we talked about with the kings, for instance, is the fact that they see the holy grail, the holiest of holy grails, as they put it, being genomic testing and analysis, which is so such a, a nation field in science generally, let alone in the sports-specific applications of it. But there are laws on the books you know, that say Congress passed this law in 2008, the Genetic Non Discrimination Act. You cannot discriminate against employees because of what their genes tell you. Those are indicators of probability that they may, in fact, be at a greater risk or lesser risk for developing these diseases or conditions, but they're not proof. And so this is a very interesting probability versus the past. What are you punishing players for, which gets into a whole whole Orwellian kind of dystopian, ultimately the singularity. We're all going to become <laughs> prejudged, you know, and be one with the machines, which is what Shane Battier was ultimately worried about.
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe it'll help my
1: jump shot a little bit. You <laughs> know. Well, that's the counter-argument. These guys are saying <laughs> we have 1% and 2% marginal increases that we can see. Your jumper will get better. You'll be healthier and all of that. And in the near term, that may well be the case. But the question is, trace the long arc of this and right. see where this goes. And this is something that everybody really in America and the world should be thinking about when it comes to how technology is invading your lives.
0: So it's possible that in in 2014, you and I are talking about, oh yeah, they have this thing called the patch in the same way that I used to talk about a thing called the internet, or <laughs> or a, a thing called a podcast. And uh, in 10 years, it's going to be, well, they have all the data and, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the warriors aren't going to sign this guy because his genetic profile indicates a high probability of of heart disease in 10 years, and and so they don't want to take the risk.
1: Well, there are all these things. It's, it's not just even the genetic stuff, which is the most apocalyptic stuff, although it's something that they actually explicitly talk about in NBA front offices. It's just how is behavior going to be curbed, you mm. know? And, and and parallel, you said, with the Internet and all this stuff, look, cell phones, right? Cell phones, we're seeing... I, I thought about this when I was witnessing, or not witnessing, but hearing about the celebrity hacking scandal, right? right. We all probably don't know nearly enough about what our personal data on our cell phones, which have GPS in them, by the way, where they're going or what they're doing. We just think at this point, you know, we're too far gone and the business is so big, we'll probably be fine. But none of us are really scrutinizing it in the same yeah. way that these NBA players are thinking. Well, for right now, I'm getting better, I'm getting healthier, I'm you know my jump shot is is improving. But what happens down the lo- down the road?
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's the moving barrier, isn't it? Because we all make that uh, value judgment of saying, well, I want to be in touch with my relatives who far live far away, so I'm going to give Facebook this information about myself in the process. That is a deal that I will strike. So then it's. A question of if the union if the NBA players union gets hip to this how far are they willing to go like where does the uh, where does the reward start dropping off
1: right and the union when we called them up they were not aware of any of this <laughs> perfect I mean that was what was startling to us was we had done this reporting you know we talked in the front offices talking to people around the game for months And this is something that's talked about at tech conferences. I went to a conference at Stanford. I went to a conference in Chicago. And this is stuff that's openly talked about with me, a reporter. But the union, you know, partly because of the function of the union, that it's a small shop. They're beleaguered, and they've been a mess recently, the NBA has specifically. Um, Yeah, I mean, they have to think about the biggest of pictures here and realize, once you see those principles, like, off the court, Privacy, which seems to be a fairly bright line right now, but is being eroded away, once you seed that, once you open the door to a bedroom to a living room, to a kitchen, to all of those places. Is there any going back? And history tells us that there probably isn't.
0: Is there evidence, though? I mean, what, what about the idea that this whole thing might just be a pseudoscience? I mean, the way you describe it in the article, there's this expo going on at this hotel in mm-hmm. Chicago. I just, it sounded like a lot of snake oil to me. Is there evidence that this stuff really actually works or is it just a brand new science that everybody's just collectively hallucinating?
1: Well, I think it's, it's based on data, and so, I mean, and, uh, let me clarify this. So, the industry itself is flooding, as many industries do when there's suddenly money to be had with, as you said, pseudoscientific products, things of dubious nature, and those, sure. w- whether they're adopted by NBA teams or not, I would lean towards NBA teams being smart enough and tech-savvy enough at this point to distinguish between the good and the bad. But still, that is a risk, most certainly, and, and when you talk about the, the data-driven nature of all of this, I mean, they're showing that these benefits may, I mean, the question is whether they're as big as they need to be to warrant these violations of what ultimately amount to, to privacy and liberty and these very fundamental concepts. We don't know yet. We don't know the answer to that question. It may well be that this was a lot of investment for a very marginal amount of return, that's very possible, but they're not going to know until they really end up investing a lot of money in it, at which point maybe the question is moot to begin with.
0: Yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on the Clippers. I'm going to keep my eye on the team with Steve <laughs> right. Ballmer paid $2 why billion
1: for it. To the degree to which these players seem to, to maybe do in this very important atmosphere, yeah. uh, kind of troubling place, which is the world of tech. Why Why hand over your lives in this very overwhelming way when you really think about it.
0: You know we had Spencer Hawes, but he wasn't compatible with Windows 10. <laughs> so we had to let him go.
1: It all comes back to Spencer Hawes. It all is about
0: Spencer Hawes. Pablo Torre wrote about biometrics in the NBA in ESPN the magazine's October 27th issue. Wrote that with Tom Haberstro. Pablo thanks as always. Thank you, John. Okay, well, from time to time, we like to check in with the coach when the coach is available. Let us know how the team is doing. Let us know about... uh upcoming games that are, uh, that are on the horizon. Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, John. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. How's the team looking? Ah, they're
2: looking all right. Can't complain. They're doing their best. Hey, what sport are we talking about? You
0: know, the, the sport. Oh, uh, yeah. The sport in general.
2: The, <laughs> the big I got one. The, yeah, yeah. The,
0: the one with the guys.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the team's looking good. They're hustling. They're stretching. They're doing what they need to do. You look good. Thank You've you. have been doing
0: push-ups. I've been doing a couple push-ups, Coach. Thanks
2: all for right. asking. All right. I just need you to amp that up just a little bit. Don't are- be. Deal, all right, all right. Well, uh, let's uh,
0: maybe let's talk about the football team, how the, how the football team's doing. I'd really like that. Let's I, do it. I know, it. I know you coach a lot of teams, yeah, because you're coach. I'm a freelance coach, so you're I gotta get, coach. get the gigs what I can, yeah, gun for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, so how's the quarterback this year? Uh,
2: he's all right. Uh, he hurt his hand,
0: yeah, how'd you do that?
2: Uh, well, he got bit by a dog, oh. it was pretty rough, and then he hurt his other hand. Uh, cooking a quesadilla, but he's doing all right. He's doing his best. What he's trying to do right now is he tosses the ball in the air and hits it with his head. Wow!
0: Yeah, he's pretty accurate, five to ten yards. So, uh, yeah, so just those little dump routes, those little dump uh, routes all the time, up and under. So, the, did the dog bite off his hand, or are they like are these permanent yeah. dis? Yeah, really, bit of, bit
2: of clean up. John it was pretty upset. He chased the dog as long as he could, but we didn't draft him because he's fast. So, no, dog no. got
0: away. And the quesadilla hand, what, what what, was the extent of that injury? Well, he he
2: is into symmetry, so he cut that one off. We were like, hey, no need to do that. No need to do that. But he, he just went ahead and <laughs> cut it off. <laughs> off. We tried to be like, hey,
0: we can teach you to throw yeah, with that with hand. with the other but hand. He's a real gamer. Yeah. And, well, that's, you know, and a free quesadilla, you can't, no. you know. Why would you? Why would you, I suppose. So he, he hits it with his head. Well, that's I mean, I guess then it's up to the receivers to, to kind of pick up the slack.
2: Absolutely, and I'm really glad you brought that up because yeah. it's a team. They, you know, the sport's not called quarterback.
0: It's called no, football. it's called football so, team.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So they're getting in there. They're doing what they can. Of course, most of our team lost their feet. Really? Well, they went swimming in a lake filled with piranhas, um, and one thing led to another. And Was that down at Piranha Lake? Yeah, that's right. Piranha Lake. Yeah. Piranha Lake. Assistant coach mispronounced it, so we didn't think oh, it was as dangerous as right. it was. Turns right. out it was really dangerous. It's, it's the details, isn't it? That yeah, really... absolutely. And our team is not known for details. Yeah, we run three plays.
0: Yeah, which which uh, are the uh, uh, the, sh- the short short pass, pass off the quarterback's that's head. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: right. To the center, to the left, and to the right. Yeah, so that's, that's what we do. We're not detail oriented,
0: to... and and to a bunch of receivers who uh, who are just sort of hobbling around on. They're Tim
2: Conwaying it yeah. right now, you know, on the knees. Right, right. Shuffling along, they're doing all right. Yeah. So, so the are the running backs involved at all? Ah, well, they were. Yeah, they were involved.
0: What What happened to the well, running
2: backs? They lost. They lost their torsos, John. No. Yeah, unfortunately, they lost their torsos. Oh. They're not talking about what happened. We do know they went to a bachelor party. Yeah. They had torsos. They came back. Now they don't have torsos. Okay. So when you're talking to one running back, you're actually now talking to two running backs. Do you see what I'm saying, John?
0: So uh, so, so, are they just heads with, with arms and legs and groins attached to them? Well, yeah, pretty
2: much that, except they're separate. So there's legs. Uh-huh. And then there's their upper half, then missing the middle half. Do you, right. see, where, do you see where I'm going so with this, So is the John? head floating in space? Yeah, a little bit, but they're attached to the shoulders and arms. Okay. Do you see what I'm getting at, John? Sure, All sure. Right, so where your stomach would be, yeah. they
0: don't have anymore. So I can see where they could still catch the ball, run with the ball, but... But when they would tuck the ball in like you're supposed to as a running back, it probably just goes flying out the other end. It's very tough to do. It's yeah. very tough to do. Give up a lot of uh, give up a lot of fumbles that way.
2: Yeah, well, we're using them in end zone situations, right. goal line
0: situations. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then how about on defense? Uh, from what I understand, the defense has been
2: pretty solid. Uh, they were they've been pretty good.
0: Yeah, they've been pretty good.
2: But you know, lately, they've been. Well, we had to have a team meeting because they just don't feel like tackling anymore. Oh, they don't feel like They it? just want to talk it out. Oh. They've been trying to talk it out with the people that they're supposed to tackle. Yeah. It works sometimes, but not as not as much as you need it to. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? What kind of
0: uh what kind of teams does it does it work well against?
2: Uh well, it works well against teams who are open to listening. Yeah. Uh, but teams who aren't open to listening and are open to scoring, which is what they should be doing, it's not working as it's well. It's not working. Them.
0: So, okay, so that explains the low uh the low point total for your opponent when you played uh, Eastern Philosophical Polytech.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That strategy our strategy worked really well against those you guys. You engaged them. I'm not saying it was a game that everybody wanted to watch, but the people who stuck around I think really learned some things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the it was I didn't get tickets to the game, but I watched it on PBS. Yeah, it was, absolutely. It was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then uh, I guess I, we need to talk about special teams cuz that's been Ugh. that's been a crazy part of the team this year.
2: It has been rough with yeah. the special teams. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Our kicker scared of the ball and terrified oh. of uh, the goal posts. Yeah. This just happened. It just so happened. He wasn't, he wasn't before. Uh, well, he watched a horror movie called oh. Football's and Goalposts. Football's and, and Goalposts. <sighs>
0: downhill right. from there so that's where the uh they kick the guy's head that's off his right body. that's absolutely right
2: i don't Dude. mean to laugh it's horrible yeah it's but, not a good movie it's no. very scary and i and our kicker
0: is just in terrible shape right now yeah so. yeah so he just doesn't want to get it so w- what happens like when you line up for a field
2: goal we don't even bother anymore really we just sit we if we score which as you know based on what you've heard yeah is rare is rare we just i walk up to the ref and i'm like hey listen don't think this is going to happen. No, we talk it through for a while, and then yeah. we just get we get six points.
0: So. Yeah, you don't even go for the two point conversion because is there
2: a two? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, uh, John, yeah. I'm
0: not detail oriented. Well, again, Whoa. with the mispronunciation of piranha on the part of your coaching staff, and uh... well,
2: I wish I had a staff. It's just me right now. Really, I think I should hire a coach. To say, hey, have you thought about a two-point conversion? Right, right. Mm.
0: So when you w- when you said that a, an assistant coach mispronounced uh, the name of Piranha Lake, was, that was a hand puppet. Yeah, that was a hand puppet.
2: I didn't mean assistant coach like someone who would help me. I meant like right. assistant coach like that was his name. Right, assistant, <laughs> assistant coach a hand puppet. Yeah, that's right. So I'm sorry. I can see how that would have been confusing to you. To be clear, we yeah. don't have a staff. Right. I have a good friend who's a hand puppet named assistant coach who... <laughs> Don't laugh about this, John. It's very
0: no, serious. No, no, no. I was thinking uh, of something else. No, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
2: I, I do too a lot of times. Sure. And uh, anyway, he can't pronounce things very well. Right. It's not totally on him because well, he's a hand puppet,
0: and he doesn't have a mouth and what where his mouth would be. It's all felt and your absolutely, hand. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah.
2: honestly, it comes back to me. I mispronounced Piranha Lake. Yeah. And yeah. I misheard what I said because I was talking to me, and all the receivers had their feet bitten. Huh? Oh, jeez, Louise! Hope so I get hired back next Is season.
0: assistant coach then? Is he a? Uh, is he the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator? I mean, is he? Is he alone? Are there other assistant coaches on the team?
2: There's no other assistant coaches, and this assistant coach might be on the team. I'm going to talk to him, but right now he's a magician. Oh, and he works casinos. Okay, so, <laughs> so he's usually doing gigs. Yeah. I mean, when he comes into town, we have a good time. Well,
0: is he just a, a, a brilliant football mind? Or why would you want to hire a casino magician to, to be an assistant coach on the team?
2: Honestly, it gets lonely. Yeah. It gets lonely. You know, yeah. you have to have a little bit of separation between you and the players, especially when your players are going through as much as my team is. Right. I would really just want this guy
0: to help talk through some things, not even yeah. football related. Yeah. Well, you know, they always say that a coach shouldn't spend too much time thinking about coaching. No, absolutely not. Or any time.
2: Yeah. Well, see, that's what I would say. Maybe I need to spend a little bit of time thinking about mm, coaching. Yeah. But lots of things come up sure. during the day, John. Yeah. There's those Prius commercials where people are taking pictures of themselves, re- reenacting oh. their pictures with 10 years. I don't care about cars that much. Yeah. I'm thinking about that usually during the extra points and stuff like that.
0: Right. Well, you have a lot of time when the, the referees are expectantly waiting for yes. your kicker to absolutely, come on. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Honestly, I guess what I need to do is. Hire a guy, yeah, to help me focus, yeah, on the
0: game at hand. Well, could you just not? Could you just hire a different kicker who who is not scared of balls and goalposts? Well, you have never worked with the Players Association, oh, I have you, John? No. It is tough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, once you land a football job, you're in. You're, you're in. You're in. You're, you're kind of set for life. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's like tenure. Well, and now, yeah, because I I notice most of your offensive linemen are like 70, 80 years old. Yeah,
2: they are. They're really, really old, John. And they're nice guys. Yeah. They're nice guys, but you never hear about people in their 70s and 80s being good blockers. No. That's not something you hear about no. in the obituary. Yeah. You kept blocking. Kept blocking all the way In 70s and 80s. Yeah, on a football team. No, it's usually like he blocked well into his 40s. Yeah. Then he took on fly fishing. Yeah. Got good at fly fishing. Right. They, Re- they retired, done. traveled a lot maybe. Traveled a lot. Yeah. Painted, painted landscapes. But didn't
0: continue to play football. No. No.
2: No, usually they stop. But these guys aren't stopping. They're just sort of blocked.
0: They're just standing out there on the field. So, uh, wh- now, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on this kicker thing because I would think if you have a punter... Surely a punter is sort of like a kicker. Like for a lot of teams, if the kicker gets injured, the punter fills in until mm-hmm. they can, yeah, until he's well. Yeah. Well, we had a punter. Yeah. What? Uh, well, he gets the giggles.
2: Oh. So like, kind of like he gets the giggles and he gets the yips. So you know how a putter, a golfer yeah. who's putting, yeah, sure, go, it's not a team. You right. do the whole golf thing. Anyway, you know how a guy putting gets the yips. Yeah. Okay. Our punter gets the yips. So he goes to kick that his leg does, like, a weird knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. And he starts giggling while that happens. Oh. And as you know, you don't get a
0: lot of time to punt. No,
2: no. He gets—he
0: uh, must get creamed.
2: He gets creamed a lot. Yeah. So, anyway, the other team gets great field position all the time. Mm. Not that it matters. Right. Because, as we discussed, my defense doesn't believe in tackling.
0: Yes. And your quarterback has no hands no and your receivers head. have no, no
2: feet. Head. I don't mean to laugh. It's... It's not okay.
0: No, I know. So, okay, well, uh, good luck in the the game this weekend. Who who are you playing this weekend?
2: Oh, we're playing the Alabama Shakers. Okay. Yeah.
0: Alabama Shakers.
2: Yeah, they're awfully good. Yep. They're awfully good. They have uh, everything we don't
0: have. All right. Well, it should be, uh, I can't say it'll be a good game to watch, but I wish you all the best. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's Coach, everybody.
2: All right. Nice talking to you, John.
0: And that's it for Home Dunk. Oh, quick update. I'm sure you're wondering uh, about the inline speed skating rankings, uh, senior women's division. Well, what can I tell you? Sabine Berg of Germany, still number one. Benedetta Rossini of Italy, number two. Erica Zanetti of Italy, number three. Tina Struver of Germany coming in at four. And the Belgians. The Belgians made it into the top five, folks. Sandrine Tass of Belgium in the top five senior women's Uh, division of the inline speed skating rankings so you know tells you a lot about things and also stuff some of the people who help out on this show are steve nelson peter Clowney, john miller steve newman and uh, of course open Mike eagle for our wonderful home dunk theme song that's it for this week dunkaroos i'm john moe bye now